everybody. Thank you for coming. Um, yeah, when I e emailed Greg the title, I said, you know, I gave a talk, and I gave and I gave you use this title, and it's kind of, you know, risque, and he uh, and he said, oh, you know, more risque the better. Um, we had a risque talk yesterday. Okay, good, good, good. So, um, yeah, but it, you know, it's the the reason I'm, uh, I'm motivated by this is because what I'm going to hopefully uh, convince you of today is that. Uh, the, the tissue cells I'm talking about can generate pressure and expel fluid, you know, based on the pressure they generate. And that the biofilms I'm going to talk about uh, use polymer to generate osmotic pressure inside of them and suck fluid. So, so it's so I guess below maybe below is a bad term because it's a, it implies a gas. It's rather that they spit. So maybe the new pair would be epithelial cells spit and biofilms swallow. But when you say biofilm, you, you mean a prokaryote. Um, yes, yes, bacterial biofilms. So, so in my lab, we, uh, you know, we, 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 we tend to study things, that, you know, uh, collective dynamics of, of, uh, of cells. Um, so you know, we'll take a movie of epithelial cells like this and compute velocity fields and try to understand spatial correlations and maybe how forces are transmitted. Uh, if you watch these things as a function of density, they appear to have glass-like dynamics as they approach, uh, as, as density rises, they appear to approach a glass-like state. Uh, MDCK is some special Specialized human cell or a cancer lineage or what is it? It's uh, maiden Darby canine kidney. It's uh, it's an immortalized line, so technically it's a cancer cell. So this is part of a growing uh, epithelial. Yeah, yeah. So we always make these uh, these these uh, samples as large islands. So we'll, we'll plate down uh, a droplet of cells that settles onto our dish, and that droplet is as a diameter of a few millimeters. And over time, it spreads and grows, but um, uh, it doesn't grow at a constant density, generally. In this case, uh, I don't think I'm going to show, but maybe later I can show you a movie, where we have movies of this thing going from the lowest possible density that you can get while still maintaining confluency, and the highest density we can achieve while still distinguishing cells. So, so there's a huge range of density uh, space. Confluency just means monolayer coverage of the plate? Um, what I mean is that uh, there are no holes in the region that I'm yeah. looking at. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily touch the edges of the plate. But and, and it doesn't produce terraces? It just produces a single layer? Typically? Right. These, yeah, these cells won't produce a second layer, but there are lines that will produce multi Okay. Maybe you said this, but what's between the cells? Um, you mean their interfaces? Or no, no I, when you say the cells have a density, that means there's something between oh. cells that aren't. Or, are you talking I, about a. I, I mean, num number, number per unit area. So, oh, okay. so even if there's no space, if they get smaller, then number density. Oh, I see. So I could count the nuclei or something. Right, right. So we, we sit here, and the way we do it is we identify edges because they're the, the most distinguishable things, and then. You know, you find okay. all the edges, and then you all right. Yeah, count the cells. So if I see some funny shape there that I can't say it's a that doesn't look like a cell, you're saying that is a cell, but it's just a big funny shaped cell. Uh, generally, yeah. So for example, if you look here, there's there's this 
There's yeah, a large that. one. Yeah, that's a big cell. That's a big cell. Okay. <laughs> so the only thing between cells are just their adherence junctions. Is that the well, and other types of junctions, other which other I'll get to. Right, right. So when you put down this little droplet and it spreads across the the, the dish. When it first meets the boundary, it's fairly low density, and then it sort of makes uh, more and more cell divisions, and then gets densified that way. Yeah. So if we plate them at a, let's say, subconfluent density, a density, uh, you know, that at which they, they they can't fill all of the the, the space. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's empty space, and then you generally just have to wait a couple of days for some divisions to happen to fill in to to start with a confluent layer. Uh, it, it all depends on how you plate them. You can start them off plating them at a, a very high density as well. And the eight-hour label is a division time? No, that's just the duration of this moment. Oh, the whole run? Yeah. So yeah. what is the division time of these cancer cells? Um, these are roughly 44 hours. Yeah. Generally, it's 20, uh, 24 hours is the kind of standard division time people think of. Uh, but when we measure, when we actually go in and and carefully quantify division time for this uh, this this line. We get uh, 44 hours. So basically, essentially, they did not divide during this division time. R right. Well, if we had watched for 44 hours, every cell would have divided. But okay. in eight hours, you know, Almost. eight over 44 will have divided. Divided. Right. Well, what sort of medium did they grow in? It's a glucose-rich uh, medium that's supplemented with, uh, with with serum, which basically lets them. Proliferate. But it's an agar which has a certain stiffness? No. So these cells, uh, we, in the movies I'm going to show you today, these cells are grown on glass surfaces that is functionalized with collagen. Uh, collagen <coughs> and, um, and then they're Im immersed in uh, fluid medium. 3D right. fluid bath. Right, right. But the fluid just extends slightly above the cell height? No, it's actually quite deep. Because, oh, okay. Uh, well, for these, these, I take it back, for these measurements, they, these measurements are fairly short, so we don't have to worry about nutrient running out. Uh -huh. But yeah, so so you know, uh, they, the 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 depth of the well is a, slightly less than a centimeter. Say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are the tissue cells we work on, and then uh, I'm going to talk uh, in the second part of the of, of, of this talk about bacterial biofilms. Um, and so this is uh, this is a time lapse of the edge of a bacillus uh, biofilm. Now this one is growing on agar medium, um, so the uh, it sits on this hydrogel, and then above it is air, and um, and you can see, for example, these also form terraces. So you can see that um, at the very edge you have a monolayer of cells, and then uh, about 20 cell lengths uh, behind the edge. You see this kind of weird thing happening that it looks like a second layer, or perhaps even um, uh, the monolayer uh, uh, kind of popping up. The, the cells no longer appear to be uh, parallel to the plane of view. Um, and so we study things like how the surfactant they excrete drive their spreading. Uh, we've done a little bit of work on how vorticity patterns emerge when they swim. Um, but what I'm going to tell you today. Uh, what I want to talk today about is um, how they use polymers to um, to pull fluid into the, the into the, the, the colony. The center on the right is agar, and then there's something else on top. Uh, 
on top of that before the bacteria go down? Uh, no, it's just agar. Just agar. Yeah. And is that only a colony that just grows, or is that something where you had a barrier and then you remove this barrier? No, it's just it's just it just grows. You um, the barrier at first is, is nothing more than the, the drop of fluid that the, the, the cell that the cells are in when you deposit them. So you've got this agar plate. It's basically a nutrient-soaked hydrogel, and you grow your bacteria, you suck a tiny drop out, and you place it right in the middle of that plate. At first, that drop remains a drop. It has a contact angle, it sits there, and it dries out. And so the cells, uh, whether, I, I, believe, uh, I believe it's kind of un understood that they, the cells swim to the, 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 um, the pinned edge of that drop because that's where the, the oxygen concentration is highest. And then they just hang out there, the drop evaporates, and then they just start proliferating and, and, and the colony grows and grows. And I'll show you a time lapse of the whole colony in a second. Can, can I ask about the microscopy here? Sure. On the right, it looks like phase contrast. Is that, or is that a different? Um, so this is, this is actually confocal reflectance. Confocal, wow. I'm not going to do anything with this. This was, this was one movie that I took uh, just for fun to see what it you know. I'm amazed by the crispness of the image. Right. I would love to do this again under better conditions. Uh -huh. So you can see, for example, at first it looks very nice. And then over time, uh, it's blurry. Um, it's not that the confocal goes out of uh, focus. It's that these things uh, dry out if you don't keep them okay. uh, yeah. humidified. Yeah. And so the whole uh, uh, surface of the auger is changing planes, and now my, my, my image goes out of focus. Um, and the tangential boundary condition of the bacillus subtilis, it's, it's, the boundary is pretty common? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we universally, we always see this uh, in, in our colonies. And it's interesting because it goes, yeah, from tangential and then about, you know, five or six yeah. back, um, you, you sort of decorrelate, yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely, you know, a, a very nice, uh, nematic-like, local nematic-like ordering. Um, I, I've seen a couple of studies uh, where people say measure an order parameter and try to understand this organization. Could that be an energy minimization as you push something out that's this rod-like? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that that, that that just literally from steric considerations, you know, even if it's not thermal, even if it's just uh, driven in any manner, eventually they'll organize uh, sort of lo in a local pneumatic uh, type pack. And what is the secondary wave? So you see the front and the Yeah, so I, I, think that, I think that would be a really kind of cool thing to figure out. Just looking at it, it looks to me like if I, can, if I pause the movie right when it kind of occurs, right at the beginning there, it looks to me like they're, they're kind of popping up out of plane. Like they're, they're now, right around here, they're, they're, they're kind of coming out at you. And of course, the, order, the difference in order between here and here is, is dramatic. So, um, so I, I believe that this is, this is, this is a monolayer. This, I don't even know if you would call it a multi-layer. It's just I would call it a second layer, or a third. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. layer implies yeah. you can you can draw a line between them. I don't know if you could. It could just be three-dimensionally disordered. If you look at colliding colonies of E. coli, uh -huh. at the moment they collide, mm -hmm. uh, even if they're small enough to only be monolayers, right. you get the second layer. Oh, really? And and if I looked at them like in a stack, I could I could distinguish layers. That that's our interpretation. We do it by light intensity. Okay. And so we, we see a second and a third layer. Mm. We think. Right. So if I were to draw 
like in Beaver's Law to convert that to a thickness or something, it would be kind of uh, terraced. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Okay. And the microscopy on the left is different. What this is, is this is just phase contrast. Yes, phase contrast. Yeah, yeah. It's ordinary phase contrast. Yeah. And the funny shadow on the right. That is, on the, yeah. is that an optical illusion? Uh, I think it is. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, there's no book. Well, but, 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 so, so there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of artifacts that um, occur in, in, uh, in Kipoko reflectance because it's a, uh, uh, you, you get, um, because you're, you're, you're reflecting coherent light, you get all these striations and, um, and if you looked carefully at this shadow, you would see that it also right. is striated like that. So, so I think it might just be an optical artifact. But the surfactant layer is way off to the off of the frame here. That um, is the so I haven't looked at. Oh, actually, no. I take that back. Uh, I could dig it up, but um, let me think. And could I be seeing in that in that shadow? I noticed in the movie as it progresses to the right. Yeah. You begin to see uh, fringes, yeah. like interference that, fringes. You know, actually, that would be sub-micron structure. That, like that, 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 that truly may be surfactant. I've got maybe uh, maybe later on. I could I could take a while to dig it up, but I have a movie where if you really crank up the contrast, it really you can see a huge wave of fluid preceding the edge of the colony, mm -hmm. and it just extends and extends and extends. You directly see it, and, and so that may be what you're seeing here. I've never I've never noticed that in this movie. Right there. I mean, that's yeah. a great point. That that could just be fluid, yeah. and the fringes are just uh, the fact that it's less than you know. Yeah, you're half a micron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you quantify the number here? I mean, so this would mean you know whether the force pushing the material outward, yeah, simply due to cell division, or is there some right force? Um, right. So. Uh, so, from what I understand, the uh, the amount of pressure that a cell that one of these bacteria can generate when it extends before it divides. So, if it, if, if 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 you're dividing, in, in this case anyway, generally what happens is the body extends and then a little wall is built and then it's cleaved. Uh, the amount of pressure that that, that, that the, the cell can generate when it does this is very, very is, is incredibly high, much higher than it would take to push neighbors. So, um, so like it's several atmospheres or something like that. So, um, uh, but it's, but but so so, so w but we don't we don't decide what is driving the spreading based on what can generate the highest force because uh, because there are. Because it's it's more about what would drive it at the highest rate. So so for example, a, 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 a cell can generate a tremendous amount of pressure to divide, but um, there's nothing holding it back. So so even if you had some lower force, uh, you know, uh, or some uh, some other smaller driving force that could drive things at a faster rate, that might be the driving force. But at the, and that's at the frontier, but deep in the colony, yeah. uh, then, then you're pushing against uh, a lot of the neighbors. Yeah. You can go up, uh -huh. and it's very hard to divide deep in the colony, so most of them stop dividing, at least in the bacterial phase. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's definitely true. I, I, but um, 
I also wonder if that has to do with um, a nutrient depletion inside of the colon. That's part of it too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And just a comment on the droplet, you said they, they go to the rim with the contact angle and so forth. Right. That's also true for yeast. Uh -huh. They don't swim, they just go there because of uh, evaporation. Right, right, so it's the coffee ring right. effect. Yeah, so I wondered if, uh, yeah, yeah, so, so, and it could be, and it's, it's probably also that, um, that even if, yeah, even if you had, if you had a mutant in bacillus that, um, that, uh, uh, say, couldn't swim, had its flagella genes knocked out, there would probably be a coffee ring effect too, because they're very small. So, um, so let's talk uh, about uh, these epithelial cells first um, before we move into the biofilm. So, um, so I'm drawing this picture, showing this picture here because uh, different uh, people focus on different parts of the cytoskeleton, but universally these pieces of the cytoskeleton act to contract the cell in some manner. So, so, uh, so whether, you're, whether you people study the cortex, um, or study a sort of equatorial belt of actin, or study a network that just kind of traverses the entire cell, or whether you study stress fibers. Um, in all cases, the, the, these elements act to contract the cell. And so, um, uh, and, and so what I'm going to suggest in a minute is, is that, uh, is that these act together to change the cell's volume. What are the doom? These, these, these things? Yeah. Yeah, well that's the surprise. Those are, those are gap <laughs> junctions. Um, oh, and the one who's in the cell wall. Right, they, they so, so this is supposed to uh, be side. the back wall oh, that you're seeing yeah. here. And that's, this is the side. And so this is roughly how big they are relative to the whole cell. And the fraction of the surface area is, is roughly accurate. They cover about 5% of the surface area. So, so you have uh, a huge number. You have, uh, we're estimating, you know, about uh, 10 to the fifth, four times 10 to the fifth, um, tiny little junctions called connexons. And those are grouped into these micron-sized plaques called gap junctions. Um, so I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, that's the picture. And then that big thing is, of course, the nucleus. With the endoplasmic reticulum. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see mitochondria there. I mean, this is actually a beautiful figure. Did you draw, uh, paint this? Or I mean, it's. Uh, I did it with a colleague. Yeah, I, I can't take credit. I'm not that good at illustrator, but we sat together and I just said, "Let's do it this." Okay. Way. This. No, it's very nice. And he drew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and well, and the, the idea was to make it look like a textbook-like figure. And, to, 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 to try to illustrate all these mechanical components without having it right endoplasmic reticulum. <laughs> right. So, um, so then when you take those uh, those those things, uh, the, the, these cells, and you put them together, uh, they all contract, and so they end up having this giant kind of tug of war um, when you put them on a, a, put them in a monolayer. So this is a cross section of. Uh, of an island of cells, so it would be a big circle, um, and we just took a bunch of pictures and stitched them together, and um, a colleague, uh, Javier Trepat, went and did a sort of multicellular version of traction force microscopy on this, 
and found that on average this whole thing is under tension. It's like a it's like a tense sheet sitting on a compliant surface, and, uh, and if you measure the, the deformations of the surface, on average the whole thing is being pulled inward. So many cells, in the on the average, act like one big contracting cell. So why are the cells doing that? Why why are they doing why that? would they want to do that? Why why, you know, why do they expand or something else? I think cell division room for their offspring would want them to go the other way. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, from, a, from an evolutionary perspective, what's the advantage of being contractile? Um, the only, I guess, one part of the story is, I think uh, in the last 10 years or 15 years, people really were intrigued by what generated the stiffness of the cytoskeleton. And I think the, the, the result of, of all that work was that uh, that the cytoskeleton contracts in order to generate pre-stress to give it stiffness. So, so it could be that the reason they contract is that they are trying to maintain a certain amount of stiffness. You know, they're trying to modulate or regulate their own uh, 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 mechanical properties, and consequently, then a bunch of them are always under tension. I mean, if you imagine they would repel each other, then. The actin and cytoskeleton, all those features you showed, it's also they're also sensing the compliance of their substrate. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that could I guess be done <coughs> both with compression and extension, but for whatever yeah. reason, I mean it's uh, I mean, I, how to build a well change yeah. the substrate, are the forces the same? The contractile forces the same? No, they, they change. They change with the substrate. Yeah. Yeah, generally, the stiffer the substrate, the higher the, the, the forces the cells generate, and consequently, the stiffer the cells become. We, we saw yesterday some images that, I think it was yesterday, it was, the cells look like little dipoles uh -huh. individually. Yeah. So can I think of adding dipoles together to get a gigantic dipole field here? I mean, that, that, that be, uh, a huge simplification? Should I be going to multiple <sighs> moments? And I, I, I don't know how to think about that because you know, thinking about like magnetism, it's 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 easy enough to you know think about like the icing model or something. But I don't know if these force people call them force dipoles, but mm -hmm. but I don't know if, if they interact like two two magnetic right. uh, spins or uh -huh. if if it's a higher you know multipole because because you've got You've got now two things, you know. It's 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 not it's not one vector. It's two vectors. Yes. But I, I'm not certain of that. Yeah. And this is a map of the forces in the plane of the substrate that, that you're talking about. But that's the contractile part. Right. And there's there's a Poisson ratio, so it, it moves up as a result. It gets higher. Um, that's, 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 that's 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 an. It changes the substrate. Does it get thinner? Or, um, or? Well, you know, there is a Poisson ratio. It, it's about. I think it's roughly 0.5, uh, and uh, and I, I, there are people who study the third dimension even of monolayers or single cells to see what happens to the surface. Um, you know, um, I, but but yeah, I'm not I'm not really certain of uh, what happens in this. I mean, especially over such a large length scale, you know, maybe you could see a, a, a big difference. Um, 
I don't re I don't recall from these measurements. I think with with these measurements, uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly how Javi did them. Uh, you, uh, in order to do traction force well and accurately, you have to you have to be you have to find the the, the, the best uh, plane of focus. If you if you have drift over time, uh, you're going to get complete garbage because you always have to compare the image of the surface to an image that you took either at the beginning or at the end of the experiment and so if there's any type of drift you're just going to get you know uh, a, a overall offset so what he did was he took stacks he would go through and at every point take you know uh, uh, 10 or 15 images vertically and then uh, then he went through and and uh, in time uh, and and found the the the, the um, z you know the, the the depth that provided the um, the best focus and, uh, and and then compared it to his um, his uh, uh, reference image so um, so you know I suppose if he if, if he went back he could tell you if if that um, if that third dimension changed yeah. Um, okay, I don't want to go um, We were just talking about this, this method. This is, this is what, you know, say two, two frames look like. Uh, one of them was taken while the cells were on the surface, and one of them was taken after the cells were removed. And you can see that um, it looks like the same picture, just with kind of local little shifts. And that's exactly how you do it. And then you, you compute a displacement field. So you do see your gel with some particles. Yeah, yeah. So this, so, so this, this, this measurement is done on a, on a on a polyacrylamide coated with collagen, and the uh, polyacrylamide is seeded with very small particles to create a spatially heterogeneous picture that you can, so you can see the uh, deformation. Um, that being said. I, I'm not going to, the, the measurements I'm going to show you from my lab, they're not done on here. This was just to explain the, the force generation measurement. Yeah. So, so this is, this is what we're uh, studying. Um, as I said, all of these different uh, elements serve to really contract the cell. And, um, and cells have these fluid junctions called gap junctions that are uh, they're selective only to, to uh, molecular weight. So, uh, so anything smaller than about 2,500 uh, uh, Daltons can get through these things. And, um, and so you can imagine that if you were to guess the permeability of these things or measure it, uh, and it was high enough, that you could say apply Darcy's law and say there's a pressure, maybe a pressure gradient, and when a cell contracts, it can actually push fluid into its neighbors. There's a little cartoon of what that might look like. <laughs> um, but, but, sorry, it's going to be coming out the edges, or I mean, where, where does the fluid go eventually? It, it, it oozes out from cell, just from cell to cell, and then eventually in the whole colony around the rim, 
it loses out at the edge? Or no, they, so the they, 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 they don't, they, they won't form open gap junctions unless they're connected to a neighbor. Okay, so the top will work. Right, and so, um, and, and uh, there are, there, there is a very small amount of transport of <coughs> cells, highly regulated through aquaporins, and also just through, there, there's a small amount of diffusion, a you know, small amount of water that can make it across, but um, the volumes and rates we're talking about here are much higher. It's, it's in, both, in both directions, right? In, in your cartoon. Right, in all, in all directions. I mean, okay. it, so eventually. So we won't have to, to get out. So you can just go yeah, yourself. Yeah, sure, yourself. sure. Eventually, the, 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 the picture that emerged was that it's, a, it's just a big network of pumps and channels. And depending on the distribution of pressure everywhere, that determines where flow is going to go locally. It, it, it's a co totally non-local problem because it's incompressible fluid. And everybody can generate stress. And everybody can, uh, can transport fluid. So if you puncture a cell, you see these cells nearby that the that would uh, uh, lose fluid and the volume will shrink? So, so, we, that, so this little picture of one going down, that was our initial thought. And you, you can find cases of that. And, and that, that was one of the motivations. If you, if you for example, um, take a time lapse of these cells. Um, I should really get that movie together. Um, if you take a time lapse of these cells, measure the velocity field, and then calculate the divergence, all over the place, scattered, you find little pairs. like. A red one and a blue one, a contracting one and expanding one. But that's not universally. You know, that's not everywhere. It's not like, a, um, you know, a, it's not like an anti-ferromagnet anti, anti or something like that. Um, it's just occasionally you find pairs that kind of are synchronized like that. Um, what what we found at first, you know, it was frustration because we 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 expected that, but then we realized if it's a network of, of pumps and channels. Um, and they just, they're not synchronized. There's no reason that fluid will accumulate your neighbor. Fluid could accumulate five neighbors away is if, 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 if that neighbor happens to have a lower pressure than you and everybody in between is just constant, so, yeah. Yeah, so this uh, suggests that the pumping is active. Do you know if uh, this is actively pumped? Yeah, we, uh, so we, we, we always do, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, control experiments where we drug them to reduce the, um, their ability to contract. It, it inhibits myosin two, And uh, it, we, the rate of pumping, the total overall volume change, and, um, and even their, the, pressure, the, 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 the pressure they generate in response to, uh, to forces all decrease. So the pumping is uh, driven by contraction or? Yeah, that's, that's, so that's so that the, the actual pump, so the gap junction doesn't actively no. transport. No, no, this this has no kind of motor type action. Right. It's so just it's just a hole. It's a bunch of holes. Yeah. So uh, besides uh, uh, the volume exchange, I think if you have uh, tension, you, you can have a geom uh, geometrical deformation. The cells could be, become right. taller. Right. Right. Do you right. can you block these uh, channels and observe? <coughs> Yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good uh, question. Um, we so there's I guess there's two answers. One is we we uh, we, we check whether height changes are the primary volume uh, change mechanism or or uh, cross sectional areas in a confocal and uh, and we see that really most of the time these things remain totally flat. 
and it's only cross-sectional area changes that change the volume. But there are ways to block gap junctions. There, there are these, um, I think they're like the transition metals you, 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 you stick in and they just plug it up. But um, from what I understand, they mess up all sorts of other processes in the cell. So, um, so we, we're, we're, we're definitely uh, going to try some of these things, but... Um, uh, it could use mutants, actually. Sorry? Could use some mutants for that. Yeah, yeah, so, so um, we would love to find collaborators who, who study uh, gap junctions and have all sorts of mutants. Um, it would take a fairly open-minded collaborator because tra tra traditionally gap junctions are viewed as not to behave like this. And also, uh, those that study gap junctions are interested in chemical signaling between cells. Um, so for us to say that they also serve a mechanical role, I'm, 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 Hope to find a good collaborator who would. Who would uh, That's a controversial view, you're saying. Yeah. 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 So, so we're not the first to study gap junctions by any means. People have been studying them for a long time, which is what kind of gave us our, our, uh, so our methods. Can they take up from the outside at all, or reason? Um, well, they're they're always they're always you know exchanging fluid with the outside world, you know, for metabolism and things. Um, and yeah, they can also they can also transport water, um, you know. But um, if you um, if you look at uh, the, the measurements of water permeability, um, they are they are extremely uh, so, so water permeability uh, not between cells but between a cell and the and the, the surrounding fluid. It's the, it's 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 orders of magnitude lower than the permeabilities of a cross gap junctions. Um, so the way we, uh, so, so of course we can, we can look at the cells and, 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 and measure their volumes and things like this, but then, you know, it's clear that if the cell volume changes, the fluid has to go somewhere because it's incompressible, but um, nonetheless, it's important to, uh, to try to look where it goes. So uh, we, we, um, we, we put in a dye that can pass through the gap junction called calcine, um, and this is what the, the people who study chemical signaling between cells have used for a long time. And so if you, say, take a single cell with, filled with calcine and watch it walk along, uh, this, this time lapse is this cell walking in a, a monolayer. And, um, and uh, you see that at some point uh, he transfers some dye into his neighbors. Okay. Right. So, and this is a false color scheme because uh, you know, generally the, the, the changes are, um, are, are, are hard to see on just a single monochromatic color, uh, color scan. Okay. And how did you manage to get the calcium in a single cell? Just use a syringe? Um, let's see. You can do a couple different methods. Uh, we, one method is called parachuting. You, 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 you make a monolayer of one population and then you just you, you prepare another population that's died and then you just drop them in and they kind of settle down randomly okay. and dig into the layer. Alternatively, you can just pre-mix them and then make a... Okay, it doesn't concentration level. Right. Okay. Yeah. But this was, this, this, was, this was one of our first attempts uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, ultimately we we're like, we need to measure thousands of cells so this will never work. We need to dye the whole layer. So, so that's what we started to do. Um, uh, if you if you 
say dye all the cells and then look at them in a confocal. So here we have a, a sort of, a, you know, I call it a XZ slice. It's it's what the what the monolayer would look like from the side. It's pretty flat. I mean, it's flatter than I expected. I expected them to have little dome tops and things like that. Um, and then uh, I guess that's what we can get for using cartoons all the time. But um, and then if you look at them over the course of, I think this movie goes for about four hours, they remain pretty flat. Um, there's one that starts to pop up here, um, but you know, I would say easily nine out of 10 cells remain pretty flat over time. Yeah. But if you watch them in cross-section, their cross-sections change tremendously. So if I took the cross-sectional area here and then, uh, and then, compared its fractional change as I go up and down, you know, you go up, you can increase your cross-section by over 100% and go back down. Um, so if you, if you measure as many cells as you can in the layer this way, and then... Uh, so, so, sorry, I, I, I didn't quite understand cross-section. So on top you're, you're kind of looking at it from the side, right? Right. And, and the, the figure beneath that, that you're looking at it from the top, I guess? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you do this on all cells, uh, and, and here I, I say volume fluctuations, it's really cross-sectional area fluctuation. We're just making the approximation that thickness doesn't vary over time. Um, on average, the cells, the, 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 the cells fluctuate by plus or minus 20% or so. That's a single um, cell that you're showing in the left. This is a single cell, but uh, it's representative of the, of the, yeah. of the population. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, if you if you treat the cells with this drug levastatin that reduces their ability to contract, um, the fluctuations reduce. Uh, I think uh, with this amount of drug, they, the, the, it's more like plus or minus 12% is the uh, is, are the average fluctuations. And then if you you can do statistics and say um, look at these fluctuations, look at their variance as a function of lag time. So it's like calculating a mean squared displacement for diffusion. Uh, you know, we find that they, they follow a power law that goes like time to the first power, and then if you drug them, uh, the power changes and the overall magnitude, you know, uh, drops um, um, pretty, pretty, pretty substantially. I'm not certain what, you know, how to interpret the meaning of this, uh, this power law or this sub, subdiffusive type power law. Um, I've been, it's been suggested to me that these cells since it's flowed through a porous medium, it might it might be a famous problem called the groundwater mound problem, where you're pumping fluid into uh, porous material that can change volume, and, and if you look at the the, uh, uh, the 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 dynamics, you'll get something that looks subdiffusive or something. I don't know if anybody knows that. Problem. I mean, the variance presumably can't increase indefinitely. That's that's so that's that's, that's for sure. Yeah. All over. Yeah. Yeah. Go further out. Yeah. 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 So these drug changes the period, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great point. It, yeah. I'll show you some correlation functions in a minute. We we use we calculate time correlation functions on these things to try to extract a time scale. And uh, and the the average time we get here is about an hour and a half, and the average time we get here is about three hours. Yeah. So on this plot over here, it's averaged already over. This is averaged over uh, thousands of cells. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this is just to show you a representative picture, but this is average over thousands or so. And compute V by <coughs> We'd, so we so multiplying area times the thickness. But, but that's the thing. If you calculate the fluctuation and make it a fraction, the h drops out if it's not fluctuating. So we so, there, so therefore we we we, we it's really the area. I guess. Exactly. Uh, it's 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 cross sectional area fluctuation. But is there a correlation between nearby cells? I mean, when is when is one cell increased? Does does the neighboring one decrease? So we um, uh, when we calculate uh, pair correlations <coughs> at nearest neighbor distances. Uh, the correlation value is like, or is something like 17%. So you know, you're you're randomly phased with your neighbors. That's that's what that would say because you have six neighbors. So if you're if you're you know, if, if you're sitting here fluctuating, odds are you're going to be 17%. You know, the the probability of being in phase with one of your neighbors at that point in time is about 17% because you've got six neighbors. But so the point. So what I'm saying is. There's no strong nearest neighbor correlations that we can find. Yeah. But um, this variance here has nothing to do with pairs, right? It's just tracking it's single, single cells. cells. Yeah, yeah. So and you're looking at a tau time difference. Is that exactly? Okay. So, so take the area at one time, subtract the area at another time. Um, uh, yes, yeah, uh, square it. Uh, divide by say the first area of something because we because we're doing it in percentages, and then. Um, do that for a bunch of lag times, yeah. and also do that calculation, average that calculation over many, many cells, and that's what pops up. That's the variance, so you keep the square, you don't take the square root here. Right, right we don't take the square root. If you took the square root, it would be like a percent fluctuation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, have you also looked at different uh, cells, so MDCK, if you look at them, they look very elastic, but for example, and the tibial monolayers uh, right. don't do this fluctuation. Um, so that's a great that's a great question. As we speak, one of my students is doing this on human aortic endothelial cells. Uh, uh, the way I see it, most cells should have the capacity to do this. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty much uh, the you know it's, almost all cells, as far as I know, all tissue all tissue cells contract and sense the the the. the um, the uh, stiffness of their surroundings. It's this whole idea that even, you know, bone, uh, uh, you know, a smooth muscle, um, neural, uh, every, you know, all of these tissue types, uh, they're all sensitive to their surroundings and they all generate forces to contract. They also all have gap junctions. So, uh, so, so I think I think they all have the capacity to do this. Whether they all do this, I don't know. We have to. Yes, it would be interesting because these fluctuations that you show, they're really big. So yeah. If this is the case with other cell types, that's quite yeah, sad. yeah. Um, I might have a time lapse of some uh, of some endothelial cells somewhere in my drive from a from a, a, another student's experiments. We could always take a look later. Yeah. Um, just to yeah, see right away. Uh, what was the ancestral function of these MDCK cells when they were back in the kidney? Or are they an uh, outer layer or, or of the kidney? Or what, they're, what were well, they doing before they became cancerous? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know what, so they're, they're, they're epithelial cells, but epithelia, they're epithelia everywhere. So, right. um, so you know, I always, I guess in my naive picture, I always thought, oh, epithelial cells, they encase tissues. So it's like the outer layer of the kidney, but that may not be the case. There's all sorts of, you know, functional 
uh, channels and, and uh, okay, you couldn't coat the wall of a channel. Exactly. So, I, so I don't, I don't know uh, what part of the kidney these things are. Are they a monolayer in that context? Um, I don't know. But these things were taken from normal kidneys. Mm -hmm. No, right? They were taken from kidney tumors, right? Yeah, which aren't even behaving like normal kidneys. I don't so know. Who knows what they think they do? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. They have an ancestral memory of what they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, membrane bilayers, they want to be flat. Uh -huh. So I mean, the flatness of this isn't that surprising. But you yeah. put, a, put membrane under tension, Yeah. it wants to be, it wants to have mean curvature zero. So that means either flat or one of these hyperbolic uh -huh. surfaces of sure. zero mean curvature. And then when you add pressure to that, it turns out in a calculation I did a long time ago that pressure is sub-bleeding order. Uh -huh. So it does have an effect, really? but uh, uh -huh. you know it, it, you would have to kind of increase it quite a bit to see the effect. And maybe that's why you're, these are most, I mean, I'm just guessing, these are mostly flat, except in some rare cases yeah. they might bulge. Well, it's def they definitely pop out of the layer when they divide, so yeah. that might be part of it. What's tau star? Oh, this, yeah, this, this, it's just, if, if you take the difference between these two, it's where that difference is maximum. I just wanted to see, you know, <coughs> at what lag time do you see the, the largest change, and it just happens to be 2.3 hours. It's, it's nothing, really don't know. When the contact uh, length between the cells changes, also the number of gap junctions changes, or is it, are they only compressed? Yeah, that's a good question. The uh, I, I so so we, we don't actually directly measure the gap junctions or count them or anything like that here. Um, uh, the gap junctions do they are transient and they all they also do open and close. So um, so um, uh, there is a there, as far as I understand there's there's a there's a significant portion fraction of gap junctions at any at any time that. Uh, are not open, that won't transmit fluid. I think it's it's on the order of half. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, so as I said, we, we you know we, we, we compute uh, space-time correlation functions to just kind of look for yeah, whether nearest neighbors are, are correlated or, or out of phase or whatever, uh, or even just what just what to, to extract time scales for these uh, fluctuations and things. So, what's um, B? Oops. Oh, what's B? This is Windows 8. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. So, um, this these are just this is just generic for any pair of variables. So, if you're cor correlating variable A and B, uh, in this case, we're talking about fluctuations of A and B. It's just one times the other with a, sh with a shift. So, for example, if we want volume volume, we put VV. So Delta V, delta V. If we want intensity, intensity for calcine, uh, I'll play this movie. It's kind of fun to watch the cell, the, the calcine fluctuate around um, over time. Um, this is a loop movie. Yeah, it's going back and forth, um, so you can just see. How. So th there, there, there is a transient effect here. Of course, when you when you dye them, they uh, they're heterogeneous and. Of course, eventually it all gets mixed up. So, um, so, so if you were to watch this for a really, really long time, the field would become 
flat, but we watch over a short enough time that we, we uh, we're, we're still sensing spatial fluctuations. It's not yeah. moving. You're reversing it. Yeah, yeah, it's not moving. It's run back. No, it's run right. yeah, Exactly. It's, it's going forward and back. Have you learned the uh, and the actual cell motion? Did you think I was violating the second law? Of <laughs> I was just wondering what this is. You let people make their own movies, and you never know what's going to happen. Could it differentiate before the time and before the time? Yes. Yeah. So it goes from heterogeneous to homogeneous. In reality, it doesn't do the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> So have you uh, subtracted the actual sound motion from these fluorescent? Uh, uh, right. So, uh, so, so in order to get around that, we actually we actually track the cells. So I don't yeah. just do an image analysis. We track the cells, and as and so I'll follow a single cell around, or not me, Stephen, my student, will follow a single cell around. And so if you want r equals zero. You're following just every cell, so it can go anywhere, and you're still at r equals zero. Sure. If you want nearest neighbors, you 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 just only compare nearest neighbors and and uh, and set this di this distance to the nearest neighbor distance. But they can always move. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're not influenced by that. Yeah. Can you do local perturbations with the micropipette or something to, to try to, to change the volume of the cell? I'll show you some measurements. We not only we not only perturb, but we measure the forces that we're applying, uh, and we can we, we can infer the amount of pressurization that occurs in the cells that must be receiving all of the fluid. Yeah. So, um, right. So these are what these correlation functions look like. If you follow single cells, so now r equals zero in time. And you know you, you get you get a, a reasonable correlation time. It's about 1.7 hours. And if you if you if you do it from bright field measurements of the cross section, uh, you would get this black line. And then if you if you uh, in the same cell uh, uh, compute in the fluctuations in this calcium intensity, it also uh, has almost the same correlation function, which makes sense. I mean, uh, the simplest idea is here that if you get big, you suck in fluid, and you have more molecules, so your intensity will go up, because it's integrated intensity. If you're small, you push out molecules, and so you have fewer molecules, and your integrated intensity goes down. And those things should happen at the same phase and be um, you know, fairly strongly correlated. So that's what we see here. Um, when you do a cross-correlation between them, um, Oh, and I'm sorry. This is averaged over also all you know, 2,000 cells or whatever. So, um, uh, so, so this isn't a single cell measurement. We do this for every cell and then a average them to get this. If you do the if if you do a cross correlation function, um, you see that instantaneously, uh, the intensity and volume of a single cell are are uh, pretty strongly correlated. Um, we think we understand why it's not 100%. Um, I can get to that in a second. But basically, uh, uh, on, uh, the, the, the first sort of order observation is that if you're big, you're bright. And if you're small, you're dim. Um, and then uh, if, you, if you now look at nearest neighbors uh, and you compare intensity to volume, they appear to be out of phase. So, um, so if I'm... Uh, if I'm big, in a little while I'm going to be small. 
That means my neighbors, they may not get bigger, but they get brighter. So the molecules had to leave me and go there. That's, that's the, uh, the, the, the thing. We don't see strong nearest neighbor correlations in volume, but we do see strong uh, cross correlations in uh, intensity and volume. So, uh, so one way to think of that is if you have this whole layer of cells and this guy is contracting, these guys are doing nothing, and this one happens to be expanding, these volumes may be anti-correlated, but the fluid that was in here may only end up here over that time scale. It's just a flow problem. And so that's, that's, that's basically uh, uh, what we're observing here is that, um, is that you, can, you can see that uh, volume and intensity are anti-correlated in neighbors, even though volume, volume, volume and volume aren't necessarily uh, anti-correlated. Excuse me, um, how do you calculate intensity? Just sum up pixel? Grayscale values, or yeah, it's grayscale values. Are they normalized by cell uh, volume somehow. Um, so yeah. is it called concentration or actual? Absolute? No, it's 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 integrated intensity because what we want is is the total number of molecules going in or going out. Yeah, yeah. So we, it's really very closely correlated with volume. Yeah, sure, it should be. It should be. Yeah. Right, right. Well, it's the same thing. One is yeah, yeah. For the other. Right, right. If well, but but that that is if the the molecules are actually going in and out. If you do the same experiments uh, with a dye, uh, it's called the CMFDA, Cell Tracker Green, it can't go through gap junctions. It's too big. Isn't right. It? Okay. And, and then they and don't see it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do all of our controls that way. See a reason kind of for normalizing for volume and checking concentrations and their correlations. Right. So, um, so we, uh, if, well, let's, 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 let's see. If, if I were to normalize... Because let's say you have a cell alone, no other cells around yeah. anywhere, yeah. and somehow you pump uh, dye into that cell or yeah. something. The volume will increase, but the... Uh, so if you just pump the same type of solution that is inside the cell, volume will increase, intensity will increase, uh -huh. but the concentration will stay constant. You see that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it, it, if, if you're measuring integrated intensity, it's all about the total number of molecules. If you want a concentration, you divide by the volume. Correct. Um, the, the, so the, the question is, in this case, does concentration change? Yes. And, um, and it does a little bit. And, and I think, and that's, and I, that's uh, I was alluding to, I, I think that's why we don't get perfect correlation. Um, I think you get a slight selectivity for size. And so this dye is much larger than water. It's much larger than ions. It's much larger than a lot of other small molecules. So, uh, so, um, uh, so I, I think it, it basically uh, uh, doesn't pass through as quickly. It, it's it, you have a differential permeability. It may not, these pores may not be selective totally, but uh, but I think it's reasonable that they have a differential permeability based on size. So yeah, and, and so and we've also checked this in the confocal. So in, 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 a, in an ordinary epifluorescence microscope, um, it's um, you always integrate over the whole volume, and so uh, a, a direct concentration measurement is hard hard to do. Or well, it's 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 um, projecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the two measurements become the same. But in a confocal, because you have a local volume measurement, you can measure the concentration. And, we, uh, and what we see is that um, if you have a dye that can't pass through the cells and you do a concentration measurement in the confocal, we still see this correlation where, a, in this case, a small cell gets brighter 
it, because uh, I'm talking concentration. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. And a big cell gets dimmer. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Tom, let me be a bit of a devil's advocate here. This is a beautiful problem in biologically inspired soft matter. Mm -hmm. and, and this audience, many of us love it and so forth. What do you tell your biology colleagues? What, why, what, what biological import would these beautiful measurements have yeah. potentially? Yeah, yeah. And they're cancerous, they're in a strange, strange environment. Right. They're doing interesting mechanical things. Yeah. But um, what? Well, there's some obvious biological thing that we can learn here. Yeah, well, I think I, I think the, the, there's a couple of things. I mean, first, um, uh, just from a basic biology perspective, it just tells us that there's there's a, a, a second important function of gap junctions. But, okay. But practically, um, uh, uh, there's there's all these uh, you know cytoskeletal associated diseases, um, and uh, and just essentially when, it, when, when a tissue fails um, or malfunctions because of a, a cytoskeletal problem, um, right now, based on what we understand about the cytoskeleton, um, you only have a certain set of solutions. Um, the idea that gap junctions are a way that you can manipulate the mechanical properties of tissues um, just adds a whole other dimension. To, to, to any mechanical problems. But I, I can also imagine that this is a, 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 a new way of spreading signals between cells. So uh, by contracting, they can. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure what kind of things all will move through the object. Yeah. So by that, sure, right, that's so actually known to so spread uh, signals. Yeah. Right? So, so, so that's actually very well studied in neurons. Uh, right. so, so groups of neurons that are coupled by, by these gap junctions. Uh, Typically, are synchronized. So when one of them receives an, an um, input, uh, it, that spreads to all the cells which are coupled through it. Because mm -hmm. the gap junctions are, are made from many from many kinds of connections. Yeah. So uh, it matters what kinds of connections you have. To so they are they're specific. They're uh, specific to certain signals. It's not specific. To, uh, it, it's more that, that they they fit with the neighboring cell or not. So they, they have to form a channel like that, right? Right, right, right. So so if oh, okay. so, yes. so so they, they really must fit. So they must express the, the same kind of combination. Of can, how, how big a thing can move through that junction? Can a protein move through it? No, no. no. Anything, it's it's, ions. Ions anything less than roughly like three the molecular weight of like three thousand, twenty five hundred. So then less than twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but then this way, I mean, just by uh, you know, you would think gap junction is just a kind of infusion process, but in this way, just by compressing, exactly, so correcting, so yeah. can spread it. Right. So yeah. So even in neural signaling, I think it would be interesting to to do the same problem, but then give the cells uh, some histamine or something like that that causes mechan you know, cytoskeletal contraction, and see if the chemical signaling was affected. So the, so the point is now, yeah, uh, you know, signaling can also be manipulated with mechanics. Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting when they produce extinctions and they're typically grow. Hmm. I don't know if the cells. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're, they're not as tight. There's no nowhere near as tightly packed as as, yeah. as these monoways. These right. are really tightly packed. What you yeah. have here. Mm -hmm. These look like like uh, epithelial skin epithelia look like that. So, mm -hmm. so I was wondering, what, in fact, whether you considered using keratinocytes instead of these cells. Right. Uh, and one reason for that is that 
first the more physiological. Second, you could take advantage of the large number of, of mutants that uh -huh. exist in here. There's an immense amount of mutants at, 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 at this point for, uh -huh. for generated by mouse geneticists. Okay. And, um, I think that this system is nice and would be much more versatile. While with these, it's hard to imagine how you could, you could do that kind of preservation. Sure, sure. No, that's that's helpful. I never thought of using keratinocytes. Um, and they, they also move a lot faster, so our experiments would be shorter. And, and the, they're easy to culture. They're yeah, yeah. Easy that, to that, right, right. I've seen. I've, I think I've seen. You know. People who just pull pluck a, a scale off of a fish and stick it on a petri dish and no, no, migrate but, uh, out, right? That's not really worth. What's worth doing it is is using the getting, lost ones, getting yeah, good lines, uh, and yeah, and not not transform cell lines. I mean, you yeah. could also make them directly from ES cell or from IPS cell. So it would be a different game. Okay. So what keeps the vertical uh, height constant? What's the mm -hmm. I mean, the difference I, between those membranes versus the lateral. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I, I I really don't know. I mean, Greg brought up a you know uh, an idea about um, you know curvature, um, and you know he's, he says that these things you know they want to have zero mean curvature, and uh, you know they want to either remain flat or form saddles, and uh, but I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm interested in this the correlation measurement. This R, since you're doing nearest neighbors, it like fluctuates all over the sample. So this is some average R. Uh, yeah. So the the way we decide uh, nearest neighbors in this case is just um, uh, is just a cutoff. We we say, you know, you're um, we we know we know the average cell size, um, and so just based on the average cell size, we we say. Any anybody within you know 27 microns uh, that isn't yourself, we're, we're going to call a nearest neighbor temporarily. So we might be getting some some second nearest neighbors in there, um, messing things up. But um, yeah, we could also do some type of tessellation. The problem is since we 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 don't attempt to get every cell, we only we only keep uh, you know the the, the 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 cells that we say don't lose and things like that. We don't have to play games with stitching tracks together. Um, and so you can't do like a, a Voronoi uh, or Delaunay tessellation to determine nearest neighbors, so we just have to do it this way. Because of apoptosis, you're saying? You lose cells? No, I mean we stitching? lose cells because the image gets fuzzy oh, right oh, there. Oh, 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 oh. It's a, it's a it's experimental uh, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. So um, I'm not going to go into explanation of these correlation functions, but um, Basically, so so we um, so th now we 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 want to sort of actively measure some of these things. So um, so this is a, a sample measurement where we're uh, if you look here, we're coming down with a hemispherical probe and indenting and then letting go. Hopefully, this thing actually loops. Yeah. It, it, but it, it, I can't get this thing to work right. Uh, this movie is actually much longer. It's it's supposed to release before it ends. I think every time it plays, it goes a little bit longer. It went to sixteen to sixteen. Oh, yeah. I got this thing. I 
in England because I was on a trip when my laptop broke. And Windows 8. <laughs> it's Windows 8. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but the okay. files are not not close packed in this case. Yeah, yeah. So in this case, we have we we, we, we do have some uh, some holes in the layer. Um, uh, we have you know. Uh, so 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 we 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 we, we can't. Um, uh, well, we, we just ha we just have to observe the regions that are that appear to be interconnected. Um, but that also gives us an advantage because it lets us, say, pick out cells that aren't connected and verify that they're unaffected by the, uh, the indent. Um, anyway, we, we come down, we, we, uh, we, we press with this thing uh, with a 5 micronewton force. If you sort of measure the contact area over time or just uh, calculated from the known curvature and depth of the controller, um, you find that we're always, we're always applying you know, kilopascal range pressures, except of course when the, the area is zero, but uh, um, yeah, and then if this thing would loop, let's, uh, there you go. Okay, so I just, want, I just want to point out that if you watch, come on, there we're indented and there we've let go and you can see that the cells are all still intact. Nothing popped. Nothing. You know, they're 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 they're, uh, they're they look almost exactly like they did before. And that's after at half an hour under an indent. So here's the beginning. Anyway, um, so if you if you go look around the indent, you can you can distinguish <coughs> what happens to cells that are connected to the layer and from cells that are not connected to the layer. So you see that what these cells appear to, first of all, get dimmer. So, uh, so, so the, uh, the intensity goes down um, <coughs> and they appear to blow up, to swell. Whereas this cell, of course, it's not connected, just doesn't do anything. So if you, if you, um, if you, uh, <coughs> If you take the uh, take these cells and find their edges and do the same type of calculation, you can see that the, the volume pops up. The, the actual integrated intensity of the cell doesn't change, but the average intensity drops. So the point is, this cell, uh, these cells, are rapidly blown up and held, and then rapidly deflated, and. Um, uh, uh, and it's it's a, a short enough time scale that the dye doesn't really even go through. It's the forces are high enough, the transmission is rapid rapid enough that in this case we on these time scales we don't even see the dye transfer. And that makes sense. That's consistent with what we were seeing before, where uh, there appears to be a phase lag between volume and um, and dye transfer. We think because of a differential permeability. And uh, of course, you do the same thing on the cell that's not connected. It doesn't it doesn't move. So, okay, we're measuring the forces. We know how much we've indented. Um, uh, you can, uh, you can ap apply Darcy's law to measure permeability of cells. Um, but what's, what's, uh, what's cooler is once, you're, once you hold, um, if, you, if you say, okay, I know my applied pressure, but I don't know the, the actual pressure difference between this, the inside and outside of my cell layer. 
So if you subtract the flow rate over the permeability from the applied pressure, you get the imbalance of, of stress inside and outside of the indent. And, um, and what we see is that we apply the indent, there's a, about a one kilopascal uh, uh, change in stress, and then over time, as we hold, um, the cells are, are slowly doing something to relax this stress. They don't want to remain out of equilibrium. And, and again, if you, if you uh, drug them with, with blebistatin, the amount of stress they can generate in response to this is decreased. Can you burst them? I'm going to show you a movie where they do burst. So first of all, yeah, the first few times we did this, we destroyed them. Or if you walk by the microscope and like, if, even if you touch the micrometer while it's happening, it's, the cell layer is only six microns thick, so uh, you, you, even if you touch it, it smashes the cells. What does blebistatin do? Does it make blebs? Um, if you put enough in, yeah, yeah. And I'll show you some huge blebs in just a sec. Uh, but it, it, it inhibits myosin okay. too. Yeah. All right. Okay. But, but the blebs mess with the gap junctions, the, the blebistatin rather? Um, that's a that's a that's a great question. We don't know if if uh, blebistatin would change, say, the expression of connexons or no, it anything. Like I don't think it does anything like that. But it, it it's a pretty specific in, 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 uh, inhibitor of myosin. Okay. Um, all right. So so in the end, uh, you know, we 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 think this was we were, we were really surprised. Uh, you know, that for example. We, we can even push fluid through cells, or that that that, that, that we can correlate volumes and with uh, with uh, fluid flow and stuff. But um, but if you actually just look in the literature and find the people back in the 80s who counted gap junctions and did uh, you know electron microscopy to find density of connexons and all this stuff, if you just if you just uh, uh, pretend it's uh, you know Hagen Poisset flow. Uh, and just put in the diameter of a gap junction, the number of gap junctions, not, sorry, not gap junctions, the number of connexons, which are the, the, the channels that make up gap junctions. Uh, I put in the viscosity of water, even if it's a factor of 10, it, it doesn't matter. And the length of a gap junction, and, and assume that a cell can uh, uh, generate about five kilopascals of pressure, you'd find that it could pump 10 times its own volume in an hour. So we don't believe that Connexons are limiting flow in any way. It's got to be in, in a sort of multicellular balance of pressure that's just generated by the cytoskeleton. Flow can really happen here. But to get this accurate, you need to know D accurately because it's to the fourth power, right? So yeah. The two two nanometers is that accurate? I mean, that seems really really. That's that's a diameter mm -hmm. of many many parallel channels. Right. 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 So you have bundles of soda straws that are connected. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that right. I didn't understand. Okay, so that when you draw that blue line to yeah, these that's, that's a bunch of soda straws all yeah put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's a big. I should maybe make a, 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 a okay. picture of that. It's it's this big plaque, and they're arranged in a hexagonal lattice, and they're just and how many do you have there? We have roughly ten to the fifth. Yes. Not not in each one. Oh, so that's in n, total. That's n sub c ten to the fifth. Yeah. Four times ten to the fifth. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's white, right? Okay, gotcha. So, um, so, so you know, you're right, and it's this always. It's always a case with flow through um, through these very, very small pores, is that it's incredibly sensitive to the size of the pore. Um, 
but I, I, I think um, okay. even if we're off, you know, we're, we, we're certainly not off by a factor of two in D, um, and uh, and even if we were off by you know some substantial factor here, um, you know, there's a pretty big factor of safety for what we're observing. Yeah. And these pores never become clogged. Um, I don't know if they become clogged. That's, a, that's they sh they certainly should. <laughs> um, and and they're and as I said before, it's known that they're that there's they're not all always open. They you know um, they, they make and break connections, and when they're not connected, they they, they can't uh, flow. They close up. Also, the the the, the connections are, are not there forever. So, so renewed, and so they're, they're, damaged, they're, they're, they're renewed, yes. And so, so if they stop being expressed, that's it. Yeah. Um, 30 gigajoules, or what does that have to do with the G? Oh, gap junctions. Oh, gap 30. You know, I was going over this talk last night, and I did the same exact thing. I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? No, yeah, it's gap junctions. I thought it was gigajoules. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is crazy, but not that crazy. Um, so, so here, this this is this is something. This this was one of the inspirations to even do this. Um, I reserved it for the end because I I have been unable to repeat it, and it breaks my heart. Uh, this in Dave in Dave Waits's lab, I had a summer student who was studying cell you know uh, cell migration, uh, and he was drugging these cells. And he left them in the drugs too long. So he, he pre-incubated them in drugs for 24 hours, then started a measurement. And about 20 hours into the measurement, we started seeing this. And we were, we couldn't believe what we were seeing. I, I still don't, I mean, the way I see it is cells are somehow losing their ability to support their membranes and maintain tension, and they just blow up like balloons. The fluid's got to be coming from somewhere. And, uh, and they're yeah. popping. They're and they're popping. popping, and then they pop. If you watch this really slowly, yeah, you just see them. So they check the Did you check e-cabin? Uh, no, no. So it's known if you treat MDC cases long time with levastatin, that the cadmium actually they, huh. degrades. You get you get rid of it. Okay. And what you see is probably just that. Mm -hmm. Huh? Are they fusing? Well, it looks like multiple. It, looks, it does look like multiple that, cells. A uh, cell blebs its neighbor's bleb, and so would they fuse if they lost cat here? I mean, is it just membrane? They would fuse coming if they together? broke down in any way. Okay. I mean, they're basically when I say fuse, I don't mean an active process by which they merge things. Yeah, it's just, it's just everything breaks they're, down. They're lipid membranes that are touching, and they just want to become one. Is that the basic idea? Yeah. 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 I'm wondering if those huge things are actually cells getting larger, or a whole bunch of cells that are exploding in the region. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, if you you can see they they appear to they have sort of a these little um, creases. Maybe those are the sort of memory of. Of the neighbor, yeah. Um, at any rate, um, the way I saw it, the, the way I've been seeing this movie now is that um, you 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 re, you're reducing their ability to generate contractile stress. Um, They're being faint because of osmotic pressure. What's that? Being faint because of osmotic pressure. Uh, that that's another thing I, I'm I'm not certain of. Um, you know, I, I they they should be. I mean, they sh they should be isotonic. 
with their uh, you know surroundings. I mean, they've, they've been in the same solution for two days, and um, and we, you know generally there's no you yes, know. Yes, but if there is if there is a, a, a tensile forces inside the membrane, and, and because of the statin, you you destroy those, then you are other. That's yeah, 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 yeah. And in fact, I mean, look. Whether it's osmotic pressure or um, or stress generated by the cytoskeleton, you know, uh, when you remove the cell's ability to pull inward, you know, if the balance is you have to be pulling inward to maintain your volume, once you let go of that, you know, whether it's osmotic pressure, um, yeah, I don't know. So um, it seems also that the cells are kind of losing contact. Is that so? Because it's, uh, the the boundaries become wider just before. It yeah, happens. yeah. So so I think I think we're seeing. If, so if you see, they, they they start to look very rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, those those are definitely the They're kind of shrinking a little bit. Yeah. So so. Um, so yeah. what possibility is is that in fact, uh, the, some of those cells are are uh, dying, mm -hmm. and and that that the the balloons that you see are. Are fusing of cells with which at least some of these cells are, are dying. So you see some really ghost cells right. inflating. Right. Uh, right. Those would, would be the one that that uh, which you could detect. For example, with the DNA it would die. You would see whether the nucleus is still sure. there or, or, or it's, it's cut right. in pieces, and, and maybe they they've lost the ability right. over 22 hours. Sure. That's long enough to yeah. lose the ability to to contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so this this particular time, this uh, this takes 22 hours, but this is after 22. So no, yeah, yeah. So this takes 22 hours, but it's also about 20 hours into the imaging process and 24 hours after giving them blood So they've been in this drug for quite a long time. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is just, a, uh, you know, because we haven't been able to reproduce it and test it, um, it's just, a, I just, I was just always very, uh, you know, what is the optics here? Surprised by, it. this is also a phase contrast. And, you know, I, I guess one, one uh, so there's stuff coming out of your focal plane. So, here, so right? it's, it's hard, you know, you'd have to really, you have to go and do a three-dimensional measurement or at least scan up and down to, to verify that, because the way I see it, th those things have a very large volume, and the fluid has to be coming from somewhere. I mean, that, I guess that's the point. But this white halo that you're seeing, uh, optically, what would you say that is coming so, from? So, for example, if I pause it, you mean like, well, the, that type I can of halo show you with my finger. This circle here, that looks like a bleb which has appeared on the surface of a cell and it may shrink at some point, or it may go on to expand, or uh, but it, so generally but it's coming out toward you. Yeah. So 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 probably a hemisphere, which is exactly. So so whenever things come up out of plane and have this high curvature, mm -hmm. they get very bright in phase contrast. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm. Yeah. yeah. So for example, in a, in a in a cell layer that's not self-destructing. When a cell divides, it does exactly that. It becomes small, pops it, when it pops out of plane, it becomes extremely bright, divides, comes back down. Yeah. I mean, these blebs, are, I mean, they don't live forever sometimes, right? right. They, they bleb up, and then the thing may go back. And, yeah. But I mean, you're seeing, obviously, things getting out of control, if you like. You know? yeah. yeah. But yeah. anyway. Um, OK. Um, 
Well, we've gone on for quite a while. I don't know if, if people are interested in hearing the uh, biofilm portion of this work. Um, I'd like to see some of it if uh, okay. people can wander out if they're not. Okay. Um, good. So, so that's the story of sort of how you know epithelial cells use their cytoskeleton to to you know drive volume fluctuations and, and fluid flow. Now, you know, uh, of course, um, bacterial biofilms or bacteria uh, 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 don't don't do this. Um, but uh, what what we're what, what I'm going to talk about is how they use uh, their polymer and osmotic pressure to control how fluid flows throughout the film, or rather, how to to, to suck fluid into the biofilm. So, um, so bacterial biofilms are just um, are just bacteria colonies, and uh, generally, you distinguish a biofilm from a, a, a biofilm from a non-biofilm type colony based on uh, the, the fact that these biofilms uh, produce a polymer matrix that make them very robust, and um, and it's associated with their resistance to um, all sorts of harsh conditions. So what um, were we seeing in that picture? Oh, uh, sorry, that's right. Maybe it's not important. It's it's not. It's 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 that. This is just a false color map put on a in bright field intensity to look pretty. I can. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so um, so I think the the sort of uh, space time you know distribution of gene expressions is something that you know I think people in this program are very interested in. Uh, and, uh, and, and But what I focus on is, is how this distribution um, <coughs> gives rise to a distribution in physical stuff. Um, so for example, um, at the bottom, maybe you have uh, cells that, well, not just maybe, in, in, in bacillus subtilis biofilms, you have cells that um, have a high degree of motility uh, gene expression um, and uh, and low amounts of matrix or spore formation so you know maybe you can study them from a perspective of uh, some type of granular uh, fluid or something like that or, or solid uh, in the middle of course is where all your matrix is produced and you know uh, now you you, you have a, a sort of gradient of, of polymer concentration and at the top spores are produced, but also a great amount of biosurfactant is produced. And so, so you've got this spatially heterogeneous um, uh, collection of soft matter materials. Um, that actually, I think, gives rise to uh, a, a physical feedback. It'll, 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 it'll contribute to the way this whole thing grows and spreads. Um, and as a consequence, it'll also help to control how the nutrient how nutrients are distributed throughout the thing, which can also feed back to this, uh, you know, gene stratification. So, so I, I really liked this idea that there's there's a, a loop uh, that connects differentiation and gene expression to gradients in soft matter materials to actual physical uh, uh, driving forces in the biofilm. Um, it all works as a big kind of uh, cycle, or maybe not cycle. Anyway. Um, 
so here's how we study it. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we take a strain of Bacillus subtilis that uh, uh, has a reporter, fluorescent reporter attached to a promoter of its matrix, and we watch it in time um, uh, in bright field and in fluorescence and try to measure how it uh, grows um, and how that is correlated with the expression of this matrix. So here's a time lapse of that process. Um, it grows to be about a centimeter across in about 20 hours. Um, and you see the edge of the colony, it's expanding, and at some point the, uh, <coughs> the uh, So the, there's, a, there's a matrix that precedes it, it's like a, a precursor uh, of a biofilm coming out before the bacteria actually get there? The, because the secretion, yeah, to stop it. So, so, this is the edge of the colony. The colony these, itself. These are these are bacteria still. Um, Individual bacteria. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, th at this magnification, it's it's it's, you know, it's many many bacteria. Okay. Um, and uh, and I think uh, you know Greg would brought up earlier the, the the observation that there may be a precursor film. Um, you can't really see it in this movie, but um, I think there is a, a, a precursor film that's, that's, that's farther out here that's hard to see. Yeah. And what is the pattern, the square pattern underlying it? You're stitching together things? Exactly. This is 100 images stitched together, um, and, you know, did my best. So what are, what are the black dots then? Uh, the black dots, or what is it? Like, like these things? Is that just a higher density of cells? Or, or, or those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's just dirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so in order, <laughs> in order to for you to be able, so, so, so I do this in Brightfield at very low contrast because I want to turn this into a thickness map. And I want to apply Beer's law to measure the absorption. In order to do that, you have to, you, you, you can't play any uh, uh, contrast tricks. So these movies are actually very low contrast, so I can do that. But in order to make a movie to show you, I have to crank up the contrast a lot. Otherwise, you won't be able to see the edge. You can, you can see that the difference between these two is very hard to see. So for that reason, everything turns black in the bright field image. But in my data, we, have, we, have, we don't have any you know, real zero points. Yeah. How big is the mosquitoes? Four microns long, one micron across, like little cigar shape. And so you can see at some point we can detect a, you know, a burst of, of, of fluorescence that occurs when the differentiation of the biofilm occurs. So the fluorescent reporter is reporting what again? Sorry, that's the bio. That's the biofilm it's, it's stuff. The, it's the matrix production. It's making matrix. Right. 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 So, so it's it's a it thing. Is, yeah. yeah. Sorry. 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 I'm, 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 something because if you start the movie it's, mm -hmm. uh, it starts already it looks like it's in shape in the disc yeah so I yeah uh, that's that's the droplet that I put down oh, oh so sorry. I came yeah. in with a pipette put a little droplet oh um, and in fact this movie is it probably starts half an hour after I put the drop down um, when I first put the drop it's 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 actually only a ring of, of, of uh, of bacteria, oh. but in a very short amount of time, they proliferate so fast they fill it in. Is this in a thin, like, are there cover slips here? Or no, no, so this is on an auger okay. medium. Auger. There's okay. air up here. Yeah, yeah. 
And soft enough for them to swim? Um, no, so it, it's it's uh, it's 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 1.5% auger, which is sort of dry enough and stiff enough that they don't go into like a swarming motility. Um, right. If you if you would drop that down to like a 1% auger, they'll colonize the whole surface by by just kind of swimming in whatever little bit of fluid is on the top. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so we, uh, we, we just use Beer's Law to, to infer what the thickness of the layer is from absorption of light. And we find this absorption constant by doing calibration measurements where you simultaneously look from the side and the top. And, um, and so I've got to change this figure, but it's a, it's a log linear scale just so we can kind of um, see the edge moving out and the, the, the thickness going up, but but basically each one of these lines is the height profile at a different time point in that measurement. So you start off, you're maybe 10 microns thick and uh, you know half a millimeter, and uh, and then over time it thickens. So each one of these is a different time point, appears to saturate, and then it spreads. Right. Equal time steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, each one is 45 minutes. Um, and then uh, to just kind of get a, get a generic, easier to understand picture of how this thing spreads, uh, what I'll do is plot the aspect ratio so you can see in time, does it, does it thicken or does it you know, spread? And we're gonna use that as a way to, um, to, to identify a change in the way this thing behaves. So if you plot the aspect ratio over time, it, it thickens more than it spreads basically, and then it kind of flattens out and then turns around and starts spreading faster than it thickens. Um, so something about the mechanics of its growth has changed at that point. And um, if, you, uh, if you look at the fluorescence intensity, that's right when the uh, uh, matrix starts to you know, be produced. Um, and if you do a knockout experiment where the genes for spreading, uh, or sorry, the genes for uh, matrix production are um, are uh, knocked out. You don't ever really see this uh, transition. It just kind of grows and then levels out. So that's great. It, it appears that uh, I mean maybe that's a little too too bold, uh, but it appears that uh, you know there's a transition in the way it grows and it's. Uh, it's correlated with the production of polymer. I don't know what confused. Shouldn't there be a turnover even without the... I mean, they can't grow indefinitely in the vertical direction, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's, I mean, at some point... That would happen even anyway. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah, without yeah. the polymer, even something like yeast, I mean, yeah. eventually, there's some thickness. Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, that's a good point. Turnover. So if we, uh, if, if we watch this one eventually, yeah, we'll, we'll expect this to, to, to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, a lot of this was motivated by, 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 uh, by an idea, um, a hypothesis uh, that, that Michael Brenner kind of cooked up. Um, and that's that, uh, that maybe there's a, a nutrient concentration gradient inside of the, the biofilm. And that, uh, and that um, somehow this gradient is triggering the, 
the production of Matrix. He, 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 I think the way he puts it is something like, what did he call it? Uh, um, uh, advice to a biofilm. Like you know, he gave this talk where he's giving advice to a biofilm, like what what you should do to get more food, and that, and that's and that's you know one of the, the point he said you know make polymer. Um, you're if you if you're just going to continue to grow by proliferation, but you're running out of food, you're just exacerbating the problem. But if instead you take your last bit of carbon and do construction, you can. Uh, suck more food in, you can spread, whatever, and then even later if you want you can eat the polymer by breaking it down um, again with some enzymes. So, so do they that, listen to your advice? What's that? Do they listen to your advice? Uh, it appears that they do. <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's if you feed the quality from, uh, the, from the agar. What if you do like you do in your cell cultures? Yeah. You put them in a, in a solution where... Yeah. They so swim away. They'll probably swim away. <coughs> Yes. You no, no. Yeah. They, they, they tend to form a bacterial field. That's a big problem. Of, uh, yeah. Sure. No. Yeah. The, no. They definitely form. I mean, this. This is. This is probably. This is definitely not even the, the. The best model system or the favorite model system of bacterial biofilms. The submerged ones are, and uh, and they and they will form these big, plumes. You know, these big mushroom type structures, but. A, a, a concentration gradient can still develop. I mean, it's a re it's a, just a reaction diffusion equation, and there will be a point at which, if you get to a certain size and you eat at a certain rate, and there's a and there's a diffusion, you know. Uh, sure. But is is the solution the same? I mean, I don't know. I would. I. I. I, I mean, as, as far as the advice to a biofilm goes, it's it, you would give it the same advice. So I, yeah. Suppose you experimentally you have the agar thickness. Uh -huh. What happens? Does it start? Expressing the matrix sooner, or uh, yeah. it gets desperate sooner. Yeah, so I haven't done it quantitatively, but I, but uh, I, I in, in doing these experiments, I did start off because I thought, oh, I'm an image. Uh, better make a thin layer of auger and do my experiments, and uh, yeah, they differentiate very quickly uh, when you when you uh, when you put them on out a thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I thought that the. the the biofilm was very heterogeneous. There was some kind of channels inside the biofilm. Yeah, there are. So, yeah. So, so, so fluids or, or nutrients would flow through this, uh, through this channel and disperse. Right, but but I I, I I would be very suspicious. I mean, I don't think the channels. So I don't think there's any convection going on unless it's driven by some active process. I think recently. Some people in, in Dave Waits' lab did some measurements showing that evaporation can cause convective transport through these channels. Um, I think that's what they, they observed. Um, I've personally seen under the microscope, if you look at the channels, you can see flagella sticking into the channel doing this. So I think they, they may also be actively transporting. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's directional, but it's stirring. You know, some kind of type of stirring. That's for sure. Um, uh, but uh, um, but those but the, but those channels actually really start to develop much much later than this process. In fact, I think those channels depend on having this matrix to cement it all together. Uh, this transition happens before there's a single channel. Or How about the, the, the 
polymers. You're suggesting here that the polymers also act as a storage for carbon, right? You accumulate it when you have a lot of it, and then you eat it up. Yeah. Uh, is there evidence that they can eat up? I don't know about eating it, but definitely degrading it. Mm -hmm. uh, after about three days, they start to produce, uh, <coughs> produce these saccharides <coughs> that start to break down the sugars. Okay. And, and I don't know if they eat it, but mm -hmm. I would. But it should be easy to test, no? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Have you? Have you? <laughs> no, but you can buy Bacillus subtilis like snacks in in, uh, in Japan. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. But so there's no evidence for for these subtilis that they can. I've never seen any. I don't know if they do. Okay. Okay. So um, the way we test this nutrient hypothesis is to do the same experiment, but uh, change sort of what we call C infinity. We just take, we make the same exact uh, nutrient, but we change the total amount of carbon. And so 100% means this is the recipe that everybody uses. And then all I do is reduce the, their, their carbon source, keep all other ions and amino acids and everything the same, just reduce the, um, the main uh, carbon source. It's, uh, uh, glycerol and glutamate, and uh, and so uh, I call H star the thickness of the colony at which we see this transition. When do you turn on matrix? When do you start to spread? And uh, and uh, the, the the less carbon you give it, the earlier that it transitions. The thinner it is when it uh, when it. But you didn't show there was a discrete transition, right? What's that? Did you show there was a discrete transition? Um, no, but it's not hard to identify. Um, uh, okay. the, so, so, so that's it. Yeah, that's that peak. There. Yeah, and 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 all, there's another uh, way to do this. We um, uh, if you just if you, if you just say plot the fluorescence intensity, it goes up like a sigmoid, mm -hmm. and I just take that halfway point. Okay. Yeah. That could show that data. Um, so. There's, there's, there's some implications here, though. If this is true, if they're just sensing a depletion of nutrient uh, and, and then deciding to make uh, uh, polymer, um, you should be able to trick them. So we, 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 we do that. We, we put them in fluid <coughs> medium. So now they're, they're in a fluid bath, no auger. Uh, same recipe. Um, all we do is we, we do two things. We add a little bit of what's called surfactant. It's a, it's, it's a biosurfactant that they produce, and it's used in quorum sensing. It's, so it's, we, we do that to trick them into thinking that they're around lots of other cells. And then we dilute out all of their carbon. Um, so uh, at t equals zero minutes here, so, so I have a histogram of, of the fluorescence intensity that these things are reporting, where CFP is uh, is uh, what you call it, uh, motility, and YFP is matrix. And so I just look at the ratio of these two. Are, is, is each cell, uh, upper, uh, does, sorry, does each cell have a higher uh, amount of motility uh, expression or a higher amount of uh, matrix expression? What we see is, uh, at first, it's, it's, it's this kind of little bivariate distribution. And, but when, once we drop out their, their nutrients, we see this peak uh, at a higher intensity growing and growing and growing. So what this suggests is that, since it, it means that, that uh, there is some population that upregulates its, its matrix production when we starve them, even though they're not in a biofilm. And then if you do the controls, 
uh, where you do the same protocol, but you just give them more food, uh, we, we don't see a, a significant uh, rise so, in matrix. So the biosurfactant, when it goes in, is, is it in micelle? Is it as a micelle? No, it's, it's far below the CMC. I mean, there might be some micelles, but, uh, but it's... Uh, so it's just, just dilute concentration mm -hmm. yeah, it's an extremely uh, single molecule. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and, and of course we put that in both, otherwise that could be causing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so we don't have to go on and on about this. Um, so we, we, we wanted to, uh, you know, this, 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 this whole idea says that cells are actively doing something to beat uh, the diffusion limit, you know. And if they really are beating a diffusion limit, you should see a deviation from diffusion. So we cooked up this experiment um, where we, 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 put, we grew the biofilm on a tower. And the reason to do that is we want to put a dye at the bottom that we watch diffuse as a marker of how the fluid is moving. And um, the problem is that, the, that this thing starts sucking, we think, at about 18 or 20 hours or something. And and so you have to do a calculation to figure out how tall to make this so that this isn't here by the time it you know, yeah. does it. So, so you can't do this experiment in a plate. Um, so so we, 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 grew, we made a tower, we, we, and we do a little time lapse where we put some dye in the bottom and we just, we just watch it and it goes and goes and then we just analyze that the image and, look, and follow the front as a function of time. And you have a control where there's no colony at the top? Yeah, yeah. And we have a mutant where so this is our control, um, and you know it's, it's no temperature gradient. Do you control temperature? Uh, it's, the whole thing is in an incubator. Okay. We're just yeah. we literally just have our incubator. We set up a camera outside, you know, okay. so it's all ideal conditions. Yep. Yeah, um, as ideal as the incubator can get. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 sensible. We see diffusion. Um, you know, the diffusivity you get is pretty much the same as the diffusivity in, in water. Um, of this dye, um, and when you when you do this with a biofilm, every time we get a little bump. I, I, so, so how do you exactly find the distance? Because, uh, I mean, because it's a diffused boundary, so it's hard to say where. Yeah. So you just we just we just do the um, it's a it's a it's it, it, since it's a sort of um, it's like a. It's like a step function at zero or a delta function at zero. The solution to that is a, I think it's an error function that propagates out. We fit an error function and, and, and find the, 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 the transition, you know, it's like halfway up the error function. You could also look at the intensity and then, um, intensity. Uh, yes. Oh, that's it means where the placement of the, the particles in the, and then it will fit on that. Well, um, to calculate a mean square displacement, I mean, we'd have to track the particles. From the, no, get that from the intensity but that's what you do. I measure you're fitting the yeah. density to an error function. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that. that is, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, so, I mean, another way to put it, if you put this on a log log plot, it has a slope of a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, we see a little bump. I mean, it's not a huge dramatic thing, I, I, I haven't done uh, the calculation to see like, you know, can I estimate how much the biofilm actually benefits, but I'll, I'll show you 
I'll show you a direct measurement of how much it benefits. It's correlated where, with the creation of the biofilm, which yeah. you can read out. It's yeah, it's always in, in the same time period. Yeah, yeah. And otherwise, D is the same. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then so and, and th th there's you know there's I would love to to I wouldn't be so you know bold to tell you what power that is, but <laughs> but I would love to you know be able to. Well, I don't know if it's linear. Your column, your column is, is what is agar, right? Yeah. So it's also a polymer. So what's the difference between the diffusion of water in agar and the diffusion it, it's, in the polymer? It, that, uh, the, the difference is quite small. I think it's, a, it's maybe a factor of two. Uh, because it, so, it, so how, why, why would that change? Why would what properties? Uh, I mean, if you, if you have your, your, your like the, the, the thing is diffusing into, into your agar, yeah. and uh, I guess you're putting in the incubator, so water is uh, evaporating from the top of your agar. Uh, so, so what's the difference when you have your polymer on top of the polymer generated by the, uh, the bacteria versus no polymer? So, okay, so two things. Uh, we, we actually do this at uh, saturated humidity because we don't want uh, evaporation to, to, to mess this up. And I think that's why our diffusion actually gets it right. Um, the second is uh, how okay so how so so how does uh, a, a bunch of polymer on top of my auger change the the flow of the material? Um, I th I think so so you know th there's two possible answers to this. One is the the, the dye itself is is you know it, it has its own diffusivity whatever, but it's also it, it, it also is carried by the, the fluid it's in. So. Um, so uh, that'll be the end of the talk. Ten minutes. Ten minutes is a long time. We're almost done. Ten percent. He's got a great battery in there. Anyway, uh, um, uh, so, so 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 here's the thing. Um, the we may we may be just building in a chemical potential gradient uh, for carbon. So so you know you have your auger tower filled with carbon, and the cells are up at the top plucking carbon out of the solution and polymerizing it. Now, I, for solute, for, for, for dissolved carbon, you know, not carbon, but whatever, glycerol, uh, there's now a chemical potential gradient, so that could be it, and, and that we'll generates... Paper, like print paper towel and mop up a, yeah. a, a puddle. But alternatively, it could be uh, actual pressure. Os the, the cells exerting osmotic pressure on the surface and literally if, if that's what's happening, they must be deforming the surface to drive fluid out. And so I'm going to show you that they do deform the surface like crazy. Um, anyway. Uh, but here you actually, it, it seems like the distance was, was uh, increasing slower in the case without cells, right? Just, so if you go back, you see the distance section is, is, is higher, sorry. It's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'm, I, I, I have to. I, I have to diffusion constant change as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, all of these measurements are like, I would say, reproducible quantitatively within a factor of like you know two so it's, or something. It's day to day like variability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's what, what what definitely what doesn't vary is the time at which this happens. It's always you know. Yeah. Just on, to make sure, this 19 hours is the time when the polymer begin to prepare. Yeah, for this, for for this, uh, yeah, for this, 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 uh, um, for this uh, uh, nutrient concentration.
Yeah. We've done this at a, a shorter concentration and that would happen earlier. Do you have the non-polymer control and you did it without the colony as the other? Yeah, we have the wild type, oh, the, sorry, yeah. the knockout. Yeah, the knockout. So we have the knockout and, um, you know, there's a little blip. I don't know what to think of it. Um, you know, the, the thing that the microbiologists tell me is that uh, no knockout is really a knockout. Uh, it, there, there's still some level of the production of the gene. Uh, this, you know, you can see that there are some flaws in our, uh, our, our analysis and in, in, in our uh, measurements. So some of these little blips, you know, are, are definitely just bad data analysis. Um, but it's 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 whatever the case. I, I don't think it's as dramatic. So, so, so as, uh, what, what, was yeah. the, what was the argument that the, well, how is the knockout done such that there is still expression of the gene? Is it knockout or a knockdown? It's 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 a knockout, but 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 I don't know. The, the, from what I understand, the the. They say that there's there's still some there's some alternative pathway that uses yeah. maybe other, yeah, other maybe that's, yeah, that's that makes that, sense. Yeah. But the, the fact that you would have expression from the from the same gene, mm -hmm. that's first of all that hard to believe. Happen. Second, it's easy to check. Okay. So I I wouldn't bet my money on that. The alternative pathways that that, that might okay. be the case. Yeah. Okay. Um. So as just a final, as, as a way to try to, to, to pin down what, the, what is actually happening, what is the mechanism uh, for this little boost in flow, or rather boost in transport, you know, whether it's flow or, or diffusion, I don't know. If it is, if it is actual pressure-driven flow, like I have a polymer up there at a high concentration and, and it sucks fluid, the volume of the system can't change. So. Uh, so if I'm pulling fluid up, this thing has to deform. And so um, it's like squeezing water out of a sponge or something like that. So we did the same experiment on the microscope with fluorescent beads in our auger and, um, and uh, just went through in a, a three-dimensional time lapse and found uh, the focal plane. Again, this is, this is a, a huge, you know, we, did, we, had to, we had to take 20 different images at each time point, or sorry, 20 different Z stacks at each time point, and find the height. So, so you know, this is this is fresh data, like just analyzed on Tuesday night. So, um, but what we found is uh, there is a significant indent made by the the uh, biofilm, and uh, basically the thing stays flat for about 15 hours, and then starts to get indented right around you know, that time scale where polymers is, is known to be produced. Um, and then uh, it sort of just slows down and sits there. Um, yeah. These little protrusions in the sporulating part that are in all your cartoons, yeah. those are real? They actually grow little stalks? They grow like little... Or something? They're, they're uh, fruiting bodies. So they, 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 they okay. uh, at the top, yeah, they grow these towers. And, and, and then towers... Are, Spreads in the wind or something. Yeah, yeah. There's big balls of swaths at the top. All right. My student leaves it on the counter for too long. Get everywhere. <laughs> so that indentation is definitely because of pressure exerted by the biofilm and not because of chemical breakdown of the agar. As far as I know, they don't. They they, they don't express any any agarases. They they can't break down on. No, but even if they don't, if you keep the agar on a table for long enough, it will start to break oh. down. Oh. Huh. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I can do some. I mean, okay. Obviously, the control to do is the same experiment. 
without the, you know, uh, with the mutant. So. So what was your argument for the indentation? Uh, I didn't understand because I do you have evaporation in the system? We, we in, in this experiment we do have have uh, some evaporation. The whole the whole system drops down a bit. But um, why couldn't I just suck fluid and evaporate it at the top? So deforming the bottom at all? Uh, oh, well, I, so that's the thing. I don't I don't think that this indent is caused by evaporation. Um, um, I, th I think I think it's actually caused by uh, the swelling of the polymer and the sucking of the, the fluid. And the the, th the point is that um, there's there's if you pull fluid out of this thing, the, the the gel itself has to decrease by that same volume. Now I haven't done the mechanical problem to see whether it should decrease underneath the the the, the, the biofilm or elsewhere. But my guess is that. Uh, that yeah you you'll, you you have a you have a pressure distribution and you'll get a big indent here and, and, and you could probably write down the, the solution to to what the uh, what the stress distribution is and I, I imagine that it, it, it would cause this thing to to, to push inward and right so that's the uh, that's the story. Um, when bacteria excrete polymer, they suck food into the biofilm, and when epithelial cells contract, they blow cytosol into the 